We are in the sixth and final week of our current series for the new year, looking at simplifying our lives, simplifying our lives, especially through the exercise of decluttering. Clutter, we have been saying, is any untidy collection of unneeded things, useless things, forgotten things, unwanted things, things we hang on to out of habit or neglect or just insecurity. And it's a problem. It's a problem because it's always coming at us. It's always coming at us and it just keeps on coming. And that's a problem because clutter distracts us. It can confuse us. Clutter gets in the way of what we're doing or what we want to do or where we want to go. Decluttering is the process in which you remove, reorganize, reorder for the sake of cleanliness, for simplicity's sake, for improved aesthetics, for more comfortable living. When you declutter, you're making value judgments about the stuff you have, what's most important that has to be kept close at hand, what's helpful and useful but can be put away for now, and what needs to go what you need to get rid of. And as we've already discussed, just as we declutter our living space and our workspace, we can declutter other areas of our life too. Every area, really, our thoughts and thinking, our calendar and schedules, our friendships and relationships, and even, as we've seen, our souls. Well, as we wrap up this series, just a reminder that if you missed any or all of this series or you know someone who needs to hear this message, the whole of the series is available on demand on our website, including today's message, which will be available starting at noon. Today, we're going to look at, I guess, the most challenging area to declutter. Appropriately enough, practically on the eve of Valentine's Day, we're looking today at decluttering our hearts. Our hearts are vital, not just to life, but to quality of life. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart. Watch over your heart because you live in love from your heart. You work and lead from your heart. You parent from your heart. The heart is the wellspring of life. And it can so easily become cluttered, cluttered with lots of different and difficult emotions. Today, we've only got time to look at just one, but it's a big one. You could probably say it is the big one. To help us out, we're going to take a closer look at the gospel passage we just read once again, taken from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's gospel. In these verses, in this sermon, Jesus deals with the issues of what Christian living looks like. But he doesn't begin with some great big grand theology. Instead, he plunges immediately into the feelings and emotions, the vices and virtues that are part of our everyday experience. If you have a chance this week, by the way, in your quiet time, take a look again at the whole of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount 
It's chapters five, six, and seven in Matthew's gospel. And it's a quick 10, 15 minute read. We're just going to look today at the first injunction Jesus makes in the sermon, dealing with one of the primary emotions that all of us experience that can effectively and completely clutter our heart. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Well, as the nation of Israel was established in the Exodus, God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, which included the prohibition against murder. Admittedly, that's a pretty low bar when it comes to good behavior, but even so, a fairly new idea at the time that when and where honored provided a basic foundation for civility in the nation. However, Jesus says in the community he's now forming, whoever is angry is liable to judgment. Not just angry enough to murder, but angry. Wow. Why? Well, because more than any other emotion, anger can clutter the heart. Now, there's not necessarily anything wrong with the experience of anger, anger in itself. The experience, the emotion of anger isn't wrong. In some instances, it just makes sense. If we have wounds from the past that haven't healed, we can get angry to protect our heart. There's righteous anger. It's, it's right to ex experience anger at injustice, for instance. In fact, there are times and situations in which we should be angry. Jesus himself experienced and expressed anger. The Bible acknowledges that we will absolutely, inevitably be angry. Angry is a universal emotion. But the Bible also says, be angry, don't sin. What's the distinction there? Well, anger isn't a sin. Holding on to it is. And people hold on to it differently. Some people express, express it internally. They turn anger, anger inward, and it becomes guilt and shame or cynicism and bitterness. Others turn their anger outward to hurt and harm people through passive-aggressive behavior. And still others are quite open in their expression of anger. Raised voices, clenched fists, violent behavior, road rage, and in its extreme expression, murder or attempted murder, such as we tragically witnessed just this week in our own community. Anger hurts our heart. Others feel, feel our anger too, and nobody wants to be around it. Nobody wants to be around you when you're angry. <clears throat> The root cause of so many dysfunctions and broken relationships in families and workplaces and among friends is anger that we hold on to and won't let go of. Elsewhere, St. Paul goes even further, noting that in fact, anger, when not dealt with efficiently and effectively, becomes a foothold the devil uses against us 
to damage and destroy our other relationships. Jesus continues, whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. That word, Raka, is an Aramaic word used in Jesus' day to express contempt for another person. It's an automatopoeia, a word like bang or pow, where the sound of the word and the meaning of the word are similar. In this case, it's the sound of someone makes in spitting. It would be the equivalent of spitting on someone as a sign of contempt. And calling someone a fool was to place a very deliberate and serious curse on them. The point is, sooner or later, our words will reveal the anger we're holding in our heart, however hard we try to hide it. Even worse, Jesus said, holding on to anger makes us liable to Gehenna. What's that? Well, Gehenna was the city dump outside Jerusalem. You took your trash there to be burned. But the fires were never completely extinguished. The place was always a smoldering and smoking white-hot mess. And if you think about it, that's just like our experience of anger. Sometimes it's like a fire that flames up, and sometimes it's just smoldering and smoking beneath the surface. But it's always a hot mess. It's true. Our hearts can burn for many things, especially those we love and hopefully for the love of God too. But our hearts can also burn with anger, which usually isn't about loving anyone. That's why we've got to deal with it. But how? He tells us that too. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there recall that your brother has anything against you, Leave your gift there at the altar. Go first to be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. He's actually helping us here understand how big a deal anger is. In the Jewish community at that time, nothing was more important than temple worship. Nothing. It took precedence over absolutely everything. But Jesus says anger is such a huge issue and reconciliation so important to God that it even preempts worship. Instead of worship, go first and be reconciled. When there's a breakdown in human relationships, it's very rare that one person is 100% wrong and the other person is 100% right. Most often, both parties share the blame. So Jesus is saying, own your part. You feel angry with somebody? Okay, fine. That will happen. But own your part of the problem, which can help release anger from your heart and sometimes, not always, but sometimes free the other person to own their part. The aim of his illustration is to bring us to terms with what's really going on in our hearts and simultaneously to show us the rightness, the righteousness of a kingdom heart. What's that? A kingdom heart is a heart under the reign and rule of God. And so a kingdom heart 
always does everything it possibly can to reconcile relationships. But isn't it possible, isn't it possible that even so, no reconciliation is achieved? Yes. Isn't it possible you will own your part and the other person will not own theirs? Yes. Isn't it possible the other person will take advantage of the situation to embarrass you? Yes. Do you always do this yourself, Father Michael? No. <laughs> I'm just as challenged by it as anybody else. I want to prove my anger is righteous every single time. I want to prove that I'm right and they're wrong. But here's the thing. When I focus on how right I am and how wrong they are, my anger actually grows. Finally, Jesus gives another illustration, a second illustration by way of this simile. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court with him. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge and the judge will hand you over to the guard and then you will be thrown into prison. In other words, you're probably not as right as you think you are. So own your part of the problem before it becomes a bigger problem. Okay. But isn't reconciliation sometimes simply impossible? Unfortunately, it is. There's some relationships that can't be unbroken. There could be people you shouldn't reconcile with because they're toxic, they're dangerous, they're bad news. In those cases, it's not about reconciliation. It's about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the other way to clean up the clutter of anger in our heart. People often confuse or conflate reconciliation and forgiveness, but they're different. Reconciliation is putting a relationship back together again. Forgiveness is simply canceling a debt. Forgiveness simply says, you don't owe me. You don't owe me anything anymore. It's true, I deserve to be treated better. I deserved your help. I deserve the truth. You owed me more, but now you don't. Debt canceled. Forgiveness is not saying it didn't matter, it did matter. Forgiveness is not saying you weren't hurt, you were hurt. Forgiveness isn't saying he wasn't wrong, he was wrong. Forgiveness simply cancels the debt every single time because that's what Christ did for us. That's what Christ did for you and me on the cross. As the saying goes, unforgiveness is drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. Forgiveness is releasing a prisoner and realizing the prisoner was you. So, let me ask you a question. Who are you angry with right now, today, this morning? Who is that person? Maybe you're hearing this message for a reason. Maybe this message is directed at you because it's time. It's time to reconcile.
This week, why not call them and simply say, I'm sorry. Next to I love you, I'm sorry, are the most powerful words in the world. If reconciliation is impossible or advisable, forgiveness is, it always is, cancel the debt in some deliberate way. Write it down in your journal or speak it out loud, if only to yourself. Name the person and, and say, she doesn't owe me anymore. He doesn't owe me anymore. I'm canceling the debt. Or maybe, maybe you're not ready to do either right now. The hurt is too deep. The wound is too fresh. So why not plan to join us starting next week for our new message series all about healing. We're going to be talking about all kinds of healing in this series, including the healing that comes from reconciliation and forgiveness. Life is messy. Clutter makes it worse, that's for sure. In fact, it can leave us feeling trapped. Decluttering our calendars and schedules, our friendships and relationships, our hearts and homes. Decluttering brings freedom and clarity. Freedom and clarity in which we can so much more clearly see God at work in us and around us. Decluttering can make more room for God and God's grace. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.